The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman, Brett King, Cameron Colley and Alec Doughty. indeed and welcome to episode 129 of the boys of tech for monday 15th of august 2011 i'd like to welcome as usual to the panel brett king welcome along brett howdy and how was your week uh, just been brett pretty good pretty good do you realize Cold. today 15th of august is indian independence day Really? It is. I did not know that. I have not been on Wikipedia today, so. (laughs) It's just one I happen to remember. We actually also do have a guest panellist this week. He's an independent writer and journalist with decades of experience under his belt, despite looking barely over 25. He currently writes for Inside History magazine and does regular technology pieces for the New Zealand Herald. He's also a director at Creative Tech, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And on top of all that, he's the owner and operator of the MacNZ website. That's mac-nz.com. In the past, he's been a musician, a trainer, and a camera operator. And some of you may also remember him as the former editor of Mac Guide magazine. I'd like to welcome on the panel Mark Webster from Auckland, New Zealand. Hello. Very nice to be here. It's very nice to have you on the show. And wasn't that an intro and a half? Yeah. <laughs> Longest one so far. Well, I was just going to say on episode 61, uh, when we introduced Shane Williamson, I think the last line of his intro was, and to add to the list, the longest introduction on the boys of tech. But I think, uh, Mark, you take it away now. So you're in number one spot there. Uh, yay. <laughs> A very, very busy man. I don't know how you fit all of that into your week. Uh, it's, not, it's not hard. I wanted to talk about, just very briefly, just ask you a little bit about Creative Tech, because, uh, look, I must admit, I didn't know about this until I looked at some of the other things you do. Creative Tech is a technology conference in Auckland? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a Mac-centric conference. We did it last year for the first time. This year's, um, it was impossible with Rugby World Cup on, so we're doing it next year. And it was um, kind of kind of like an Apple conference, except Apple won't sanction anything like that. And um, and we sort of spread it around and, and got developers, a lot of developer sort of involvement. All right. And uh, so we sort of took that angle, and, and next year we've sort of got very big plans, so... Ah, we'll look, I tell you what, Brett and I, we should really head up that way next year, head up to Auckland. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. Yeah, I'd love mm. to attend that. Uh, you know, Brett, you're not exactly a, a really keen Mac user, though, but um, <laughs> but you do have an iPhone. You do have an iPhone. Mark, is it just Mac or is it also iOS as well? Uh, the, the last one was Mac and iOS, and uh, the developers that we spoke to were um, were iOS developers, and we had things like, we had blimps floating around that you could control with your iPhone and things like oh, that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, we had lots of real cool sort of geeky that, stuff. See, that would be enough to get Brett up there, wouldn't it, Brett? <laughs> Just to be able to control the blimps with your, with your iPhone. Well, yep. We had a mind-controlled hovercraft as well. We had a mind-controlled um, one? Yeah, we had the creative technologies department at AUT um, sort of lend us some of their their students as helpers, and they bought some of their stuff with them. It was fantastic. This sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really fun. I want to be yeah. there. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be there next year. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> we'll have to plan. And look, yeah. I, I tell you what, I'd rather be there than at the rugby. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, now, the other thing I was just going to ask you about is the Mac and Z website. So that seems to be a, a sort of an Apple, Mac, uh, iOS sort of web portal with uh, stories and newsletters and whatnot. Yeah, I started doing it as a way to keep myself abreast of what was going on in the Apple world and uh, as a kind of a discipline when I stopped being the editor of Mac Guide magazine. <laughs> so all I do is I find things that I think will be of interest to New Zealanders and by 8 o'clock in the morning it's up and running. Except on Mondays, of course, there's no real Mac news because it's uh, the weekend in the States. So on Mondays, I run a, a column called Futurology where I collate everything else that's interesting in the sort of world and what's coming. So pretty much every Saturday I do something that I'm not bound to that. But definitely Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I put the latest Mac and iOS news on there with links. Sounds like a great resource for people like myself, actually. And just going to Mac Guide for a second, I actually used to subscribe to that magazine. It was a great magazine, and I was terribly disappointed when it closed down. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I bet my you job. were. <laughs> um, yeah, the, essentially, the advertising kind of dried up, and all the advertisers were asking for a web presence as well as their print ads. And the company that that produced that, Parkside Media, just didn't get it. And and here I was, you know, going down to Webstock and sort of reporting on the latest stuff happening in the in the internet and in the world of tech. And the company that I worked for didn't get it. And um, in the period where they completely ignored the magazine, we had uh, twenty six thousand readers, which is pretty good for New Zealand. Yeah, um, definitely. The the advertising went from about thirty five thousand to about eleven thousand, and then they kind of went, well, the advertising's dropped down to nothing, and closed the magazine just fairly arbitrarily. What I think is absolutely hilarious, and obviously I don't have much um, good to say about that company, uh, is that when they closed Mac Guide, Mac use in New Zealand was about 3%, and now it's 11.6. Um, now so, they have a market, don't they? they uh, if, well, yeah. they, they probably did then too, but now they even more so have a... Have well, a, they, they totally blew yeah, it. I mean, it was did, only exactly, two, yeah. Yeah, it was 2,000 readers behind Tone Magazine, which was considered a flagship tech publication. Yeah, true, and that's still going. I see that on the shelves. Yeah, yeah, that's still going, yeah. And yep. in fact, Mac Guide started off as a column in Tone. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it got it got more um, mail and response than anything else that was in tone, so they spun it off as a magazine. I wasn't the original editor. I started about, after about three issues, but it was a really fun job. I really loved it. it was, obviously, I'm a Mac user because I come up I came up through the um, prepress industry. That's, right. That's okay. Yeah. Sort of camera operator that I was. So I sort of I grew into it that way, and uh, yeah, I sort of became the advisor of lots of people and how to do things, and yeah. That's, I've still got a few uh, issues of Mac Guide kicking around at home. Oh, really? I, I suppose you've probably got a few as well. Yeah, I've got a box full somewhere. Yeah. I wonder if they're worth anything now. I'd be surprised, but you could try it. <laughs> it's, it's all, you know, like technology moves so quickly that. Um, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. They switched my subscription on to, uh, what was it? Defoto, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is also a very good magazine. Did you write for that as well? Yeah, I did. And, yeah. uh, and for Tone and for Classic Car Magazine. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Where do you fit, where do you do all the, where do you find the time? I don't know. I, well, I work from home, and that's it, it means I'm really flexible. But it, it, you can sort of weekends can go by without you realizing it was a weekend if you're not careful. But yeah, I, actually, I actually wrote a book about the car industry um, in 2002 as well called Assembly. That's right. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't actually seen the book, but I, I saw that you you'd written that. Yeah. Um, Assembly NZ Car Production 1921 yeah, to 1998. That's right. Yeah. Published by amazing. Read Books. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, is that it still was, available? Or? I'd be. I don't think so. I've right. got. I've got about five of them here, but yeah, <laughs> that's probably the most in any one place. <laughs> yeah. Did it do well? Uh, I don't think so. The. I don't know. I mean, it did okay. It, yeah, it 
they only printed it, you know, I think a couple of thousands. So, oh, okay, right. Yeah. But they, so they, they didn't make me rich. Right. <laughs> but they, it was, it was they a really enjoyable thing to do. Right. And the, the copies they printed sold, right? As far as I know, yeah. Right. I, I, um, when it got remaindered, I think there were probably under 100 left, and I bought, I bought a couple of boxes of those, yeah. Now, aren't you working on another book at the moment? I'm, I'm sort of writing – I've been trying to write a book about the New Zealand Red Cross um, Society and the way they sent parcels to New Zealand POWs in World War II, and I've been working on that for years on and off. And I think I'm going to – I'm actually just um, – I've just registered for a, an American tax number, and I think I'm going to sell it. So this and several other books I'm working on just directly in the, uh, in the app store. That's my plan. Oh, right, as an iBook. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't, it's, I can't be bothered trying to, uh, and, and I'm probably shooting myself in the foot if anyone's listening that might be interested, but it's, it's kind of hard negotiating with the, with the companies that publish books and they don't kind of get that print is dying and that digital is, is actually quite easy and doable and, and incredibly cost effective. Um, the last time I had a conversation with a publisher, they were saying, oh, you know, it costs $10,000 to produce an iBook. And I'm like, what? I could do it in a week, you know, for... A minuscule amount compared yeah. to that, you know. That's you, you're not keeping up. It's things have moved on. But are they in another world? Do you think? Oh, totally in another world. They just and and the world that they are in is dying. You know, they just they they can either move on and um, and embrace what's coming because it's pretty exciting, or or they can just sit there and bemoan the fact that <laughs> that we're not reading books anymore. It's up to them. Now, Brett and I have talked about this before, actually. And you know what, though, I. There's, it's hard to beat, though, uh, the, you know, the, the feel of pulp, you know, oh, ink on pulp, you know, yeah. curled up on the on the couch and reading a book. It's it's not quite the same, you know, with a digital screen. But having said that, there are a number of books that I would only buy electronically. Yeah. Uh, but there are it some. It depends on the book. Yeah, yeah exactly. It yeah. does. It depends on, on what what it is and how you're reading it. But uh, there are some that I just would much prefer the, the hard copy. For sure. And I say that all the time, you know, I'd much rather read a, a magazine or a newspaper or a book. Do I do it? Hardly at all. And, you know, in fact, I'm just not doing it. I, I, I buy a book and read a history book every now and again, just to make myself read a book. <laughs> and it is a real pleasure. But but in my day, I'm reading constantly on, on an iPad or my iPhone or on, on my Mac. Um, that's just the way it is. And you know, I just have, to, I've just got used to it, I guess, and everybody else will as well. And especially if you're mobile, if you're traveling a lot, I mean, it's it's no contest really. No, that's right. And and also, I mean, even the Herald, you know, I, I don't actually, I'm not employed by the Herald. I just um, submit my blog and, and bill them at the end of the month. But but the Herald app, I mean, I, I really love having those stories show up with color pictures and occasionally movies and everything else. I mean, it's, it's unbeatable. They don't put my blog on there, which is oh, a shame. They? But no, no. <laughs> no, I've <laughs> actually compared, I've compared the, uh, the Herald app and the, uh, the Stuff app. Yeah. And the Herald is by far is a lot better. It's a lot oh, more yeah. usable. I, I must admit, I read the Stuff app as well, and I also I also read the Independent, which is quite a good English newspaper with a with quite a good uh, iPhone app. Yeah, I, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen the app for that, but uh, that's good. All right, should we kick off the show and talk about our, uh, our technology stories in the week just been? Just want to kick off with a story about a guy who's had a MacBook Pro stolen, a guy by the name of Scott Trickett in Melbourne, and this is one of these stories that every now and again pops up. And it's about a device being stolen and eventually the, the person, to some degree, being able to track down the user because they've got some software, either some tracking software or some other software that logs location or IP addresses. And this is very much a case of that. So his MacBook Pro was in his car. His car got broken into and, of course, the MacBook Pro was stolen. 
but he had the log me in software it's, it's like a what a remote a remote access tool isn't it yeah, you can access your computer from a device or your computer from another's computer or somebody else's computer from your computer. That's that's not really a tracking device, uh, tracking software at all. No, but it does happen, though, to log IP addresses, though, doesn't it? That's right. And uh, in this case, he may have the IP address, but of course, it's the ISPs that hold the information that ties the IP address to a physical address. And uh, he was. it would have been good to have him on the show. In fact, we did invite him on the show. He's unfortunately not able to make it this week. But uh, it would have been good to ask ask him about this because in the articles that I've read, it seems like the police were really struggling with the fact that they have this IP address and it really doesn't take a lot to go from there to a physical address and you can just bust down the door and there's your guy that's probably still sitting at the laptop. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talking about people not keeping up with technology again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's also about them not keeping up with you know, the interrelationships because he's what, in New South Wales? or uh, He's in Victoria. In Victoria. Melbourne. And the IP addresses that his MacBook has logged into originate somewhere in Queensland. So they've got the fact that the they're different police in the different places. Yeah, and that makes it harder, doesn't it? Yeah, they make it harder, yeah. Yeah, interstate. And of course, mm. here in New Zealand, we don't have that trouble, of course. We just have no. one, one police, yeah. one police force. <laughs> one no, one, not, <laughs> not one policeman or one police woman, but <laughs> one police force. But yeah, you're right. And uh, it just, you know, it seemed frustrating because I think for months they had this information, they had the, the IP address and really it should have just been a overnight or within the week operation, you know, turn up at yeah, the address yeah. and, uh, you know, catch them in the act. And surely those police departments do work together. Well, this is the thing you'd, you'd think. Yeah, so, you would but- think they would be able to communicate and coordinate some operation a lot. Yeah, a lot quicker than <laughs> several months later. There is now a news article out about it, and That's so right. whoever is that person in Queensland who goes, "Wait a minute, I stole this MacBook that I'm currently on yeah. from Melbourne." That's right. Maybe <laughs> I'm reading this article on my stolen MacBook. Yeah. Maybe I should find the software which I didn't uninstall and uninstall it. Yeah, exactly. Tracking me. Well, it just goes to show. I mean, this is not the first of these stories. We've we've had similar ones on the show, and you Mm. probably read about them in the in the news. The ones we usually talk about are successful. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's why this stands out now because uh, because it's not. You know, yeah, because it's he's using the appropriate. You know, he's using software that's designed for this sort of finding information he's used it novelly to get the ip addresses yeah but yeah then it's got a hold up and that hold up is the basically the policing systems it's probably the same in the windows world but um there are a whole quite a few apps for for macs that actually do a much better job of tracking your device than log me in and this i actually found a whole um article about it at a, at a blog called iHarder. So it's blog.iharder.net. Um, there's an article about a whole lot of things you can put on your Mac to track it much more accurately. It's, it's probably exactly the same in the Windows world, I don't know. Because some of them track, uh, well, at least for the mobile devices, they off, uh, will often record GPS coordinates as well, won't they? Yeah, yeah that's a little bit. Know. Well, they triangulate off the cell towers. It's not that accurate, but um, Find oh, My only, iPhone. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, they're only triangulating. But oh. Find My iPhone is, um, is, is really accurate, like to within a few metres. Hmm. And um, when iCloud comes out for Macs, it'll it'll be on your device as well, a, a, very, a much more accurate system that you can use for free. So currently for iOS, you know, the one we just talked about, does Apple provide that or is that a yeah. third party? Yeah, it's a free app. Okay. Yeah, it's a free app from, from Apple. Yeah. 
And if you've got an iPhone, you should have it. You should. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Does it have remote wipe? It does too, doesn't yes, it? it? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yep, it has yeah. remote wipe as well. Excellent. Yeah, and you can, or you can just lock it and, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. And, I mean, I haven't had my iPhone stolen to try it, but <laughs> <laughs> but I hear it's pretty good. Now, onto something completely different. Uh, we haven't had a story like this, uh, I think, on the show before. This is We've had stories like it, but just not from somebody quite as young. Quite as young, yeah. We're talking about a 10-year-old hacker, a girl too, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. that's right. 10-year-old girl apparently finds some security flaws in mobile games. Now, it all started because she was playing she was some playing sort of a farming farm game. game. Yeah, like, they're basically farm sim games. They're little community sim games where you've got your little people running around planting seeds and you wait for the seeds to grow and they right, take so a they're, certain they're time. based. Yeah, it's, it's all time based. And now she wanted to, I think, grow some crops a little faster and she's trying to find some, some loopholes. So mm. she decides, well, what if I set my time forward and, you know, sort of as, as if you're sort of fast forwarding through time. Now, it didn't let her do that, but she then thought, what if I disconnect from the network and do it and then come back on the network? So by doing that, she was actually able to sort of fast forward a little bit. But as a side thing to all of this, she found that there were some security holes that opened up as a result of doing that, some things that weren't tested in the game. Now, we don't know any of the details because they're under wraps at the moment. She's obviously done the responsible disclosure thing. She's presented her findings. She Sorry, spoke you're right. at the first yes. DEFCON Kids, the, the, the kids convention within DEFCON. You're right. She did speak at DEFCON Kids. So we, we don't have the details, but isn't this amazing? She's found these exploits. We've got a 10-year-old hacker here. Yeah. And well, she didn't even know she was a hacker, if you know what I'm saying. Well, I love the fact that she's a Girl Scout, you know. Like, yeah, would, you yeah. buy, would you buy biscuits from her? <laughs> well, yeah. Obviously. I, 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 <laughs> of course she's a Girl Scout. She's inquisitive. Yeah. And she, she's a doer. And she's prepared she went for everything. And was like, oh, I, I, I'm bored with doing this. Uh, how can I make it? How can I make it work for me? She was also so trying to cheat, me? though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, that's true, isn't it? Because that's what she was trying to do. She's trying to cheat. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, <laughs> you really can't be bothered waiting the <laughs> hour that it says that you need to wait before this game gives you a another tidbit to do. And I guess it was at least it was a farming game, and not you know killing zombies or. <laughs> Driving a car and running people over or something. Yeah, true. Indeed. Uh, I think it's pretty neat that the DEF CON Hacker Conference had this, you know. A kid's uh, spin-off. Yeah, this meeting, DEF CON Kids within it. um, Within the larger hacker. I was surprised as well. I didn't even know this thing existed. Aimed aimed at younger people uh, interested in tinkering around with hardware and software. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. I once employed a, a kid for Mac Guide to write about games, and it turns out he was still an intermediate. And the the reason that the reason that I employed him was I found out he downloaded his his intermediates um, website onto his MacBook. Oh, he had a, an eMac at the time, and um, had made all these changes, and was just about to upload it when, thankfully, he got sick and he, had, he thought better of it. Um, so he doctored up the website <laughs> in all sorts of dodgy ways, and was about to upload it when he when he had second thoughts. Um, but when I heard about this, I was so impressed. I hired him as a as a games reviewer. So you know, it can work in your favour. I actually remember yeah. that because he had a photo of him sitting at his at his eMac. That's right. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. remember that. Uh, yeah. Well, I know he's studying film at Unitech, so... Studying clever, what? Sorry, film. Guy. Film, yeah. Oh, good on him. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we need to be encouraging the younger generation to get into actually being interested about the finer details of the hardware and software of the devices that they use every day. 
yeah. far too many kids are, you know, having all of these amazing devices and they know how to do one thing on it. Yeah. And they don't care about any of the rest of it. Yeah. And so encouraging these kids that you know are inquisitive, do want to find out how these things work, because that's how you get the innovators of the next generation. No, that's true. It's like uh, when we're at university, the the way we learned about stuff is we were thrown onto a a Unix system and that was our internet. And and so, you know, we we did scripting, we did, we we learned to program, we (laughs) we, we ran IRC servers because Mm -hmm. that's, you know, we were thrown in the deep end, if you like. Nowadays, of course, it's very very different that, you know, you've got a, a Mac or a PC that you sit at and you have a Internet Explorer or some other or a real browser that pops up and you can, you know, and, and, and you don't, you, don't Ed, get- <laughs> you and your IE bias showing up. <laughs> and, you know, but, you know, uh, so you, it's good to, you got to encourage, you're right, Brett, you got to encourage, uh, you know, our youngsters to tinker and, and whatnot. Yeah. Let's talk, talk about Facebook because Facebook uh, right now have, as you know, have been cracking down on people who create sites that end in book or that contain the word book. Wow. Because I, like I teach book was a generic term. Ah, well, you see, that's exactly. Now, this is the question. Is the word Facebook a generic term or is it a, a registrable trademark? What should so, it be? Well, you're, you're talking about the English birdwatching site here, aren't you? Shagbook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about watching. I like the way um, you say yeah, the English. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that's probably what it's about. Um, no, I've got you. Yeah. They do they, call bird watchers twitches in England. Do they? Yeah, I was I was there in May, and that's what they told me. <laughs> I did not do that. Me neither. Fact for the week. But yeah. Yes, no, you're right. So shag. Now this is the thing. With, with, there's been a number of cases where Facebook have caused others to back down, like teachbook.com and whatnot. But one of them is uh, fighting this, and it's, as you mentioned, it's Shagbook. Shagbook say that Facebook have no right to tell them to change their name, and they're going to fight it by arguing that Facebook is a generic term. Yeah. Now, that's, that's kind of smart, I thought, because if you think about it, a Facebook, it, this is mostly a, a US term, but mm-hmm. in the US, a Facebook is, is is a generic thing. It's a it is. It's, it's a, your yearbook. It's your year. Yeah, that's another yeah. word for it. Exactly. Now Indeed. I only knew this though because I watched the Social Network. <laughs> <laughs> so it had some factual content. You're saying that's right. Wow. Um, he he was leaping through the Facebook of his university, and he said, "Wouldn't this be great if it was a website?" Yep. Or and so. He's taken a word which is a generic, generic word term, exactly. that is, yeah, used across for all of the yearbooks that are around yeah. America. It's a common term there. And, yeah, claiming that it's a specific term just for your website and then going after anybody who wants to use book or face in their domain name. Yeah, it's a bit crazy, isn't it? It's yeah, completely maybe- crazy. Teach book. How is teach book anything to do with Facebook? Or Shagbook. Or Shagbook. Exactly. The other one which they've gone up against is quite obviously, you know, (laughs) using exactly the same word. But once again, it is a generic term. It has a previous use for a similar concept. I think we should be watching this case very closely because it just... Uh, If it goes Facebook's favour, then it's, you know... Well, then what's Apple going to do? Tell <laughs> us we have to call Apple trademark. something else? <laughs> yeah, it shows you that the <laughs> trademark system is as broken as the patent system. That's right. Yeah, no, and I'll here definitely we were be last watching. week uh, with Cam commenting that, or was it Alec? 
one of them commenting that the at least the trademark system wasn't as broken as the patent system. Mm. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> but yeah, all of these things, far too many are getting through where it's just such a generic term that they've used for their website. And then they're going after anybody else who's using a part of that term that they've you know decided to use. And that part is so absolutely fundamentally generic. Book, for crying out loud. Book. <laughs> Well, you, is about as generic a term as you could possibly get. <laughs> what are you going to have? Somebody who's called their website, you know, and like going after anybody who uses the word and in their URL? Well, you yeah. know what? Shagbook is ultimately hoping that Facebook's trademark will be revoked. Yeah. That, that would be, be the ultimate for them. <laughs> but, yeah, where does this I, – I don't. And I, to be honest, I don't think it would even hurt Facebook if they hadn't – if they don't have a – a, a trademark registered. It won't hurt them. No, how could it hurt them? Exactly. How could it hurt them? It, it won't. Mm. Surely people don't really think that Shagbook and Teachbook and uh, <laughs> the the others that are there uh, have anything to do with Facebook, or do they? Yeah. I don't know. They can't keep that trademark. It, there's prior art to that trademark. Well, they, they are. In online, as exactly. an online directory. Facebooks. University have had online Facebooks for ages. Right. Brett, it's a bit like App Store, isn't it? Exactly. It is a generic <laughs> term. I knew, well, that's true, yeah. I knew you'd agree with that. Well, yeah. It's a store for apps. Yeah. Quite, quite different functions too, you know. Like you don't mind finding your mum on Facebook, but if you find her on Shagbook, you're probably going to be – it's quite different. <laughs> Precisely. You, you, you don't want exactly, oh, to be finding people you know oh. on Shagbook. <laughs> no. Watching birds again. <laughs> yeah, stop that, Twitcher. <laughs> Uh, now, I tell you what, Brett, another topic that will be uh, something that you're very passionate about, and this is why I threw this one in here, so that you can tell us once again why the cloud isn't uh, the be-all and end-all. Uh, there's, a story, there's a story about uh, Microsoft and Amazon cloud services being offline for a little <gasps> while. No, <laughs> no, no. We've had multi-millionaires. I haven't even finished the sentence and he's off. On, stage, on the television, <laughs> on the internet, in the news, telling us that the cloud is there always. <laughs> Holy cow, uh, you mean I'm right? Damn, where are my billions? Now, if that's not passion, I don't know what is. So, yes, in, they've got uh, a centre in Dublin. And that's where a lot of their cloud stuff is. It's spread across the world, of course, but they do have a major centre in Dublin. And they had some lightning strikes over that way, and that's what caused them to go offline. Well, so, some of them for about got. 24 it's hours. You have all of your cloud services in one spot, and then some other clouds came along and decided, hey, no, that's our name you're using. Yeah, we have it right. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very Zach. good analogy. But it won't happen again. I mean, lightning never hits the same place twice, right? I, uh, but there you go. Unless There's a point. a really big metal building in a <laughs> place that is commonly struck by lightning. You yeah, know what? I, I, I tell continuously. you what. The best place to have a data center is on the Champs-Élysées because it's right next to the Eiffel Tower. Guess what's going to track the lightning first? Exactly. That's a good point. It just goes to show you that I, I was right, Ed. I was right. The cloud is not there all the time. All it takes is a stiff breeze and your cloud has gone away. But having said that, uh, some studies have shown that cloud services have a higher uptime than a lot of those provided by an in-house IT system. So that's going to hurt to argue not, against. They're not feeding their IT trolls enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Their IT trolls were fed enough, then those machines would be up all the time. Give them more well, coffee. Give them more Coke. 
Wasn't the internet set up to, uh, to have a network that would survive nuclear strikes? <laughs> so well, how come it's not surviving a lightning strike? Yeah, exactly. That's the, that was the whole idea, wasn't it? So yeah. surely they spread around the cloud. But the thing that concerns me the most is that there's one cable connecting us to the world, and we've been known to have earthquakes before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, actually, a woman, a dig- a woman digging for, for copper can knock a whole country out. Yes. <laughs> mind, right. mind you, that's only some parts of the world. The internet then. is a fragile egg. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel very... And, relying uh, every, and putting everything on the internet is not the way. I agree with you. I'm very wary about having all of my data somewhere that, you know, where I don't know where it is. I mean, at the moment, I think Apple's built that huge server farm in, in America, but apparently, or the rumor is that they're building server farms all over the place. And I'm assuming there's one in Australia for us. But once again, we're connected to that by cable for, for iCloud, of course. You see, yeah. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't use that as my primary storage. No. Any, any cloud service. Backup, would be, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'd be my backup. Uh, it's your off-site backup, yeah. and that's what it's for. It's yeah, not right. your primary no. system. It's not the system where you send your stuff, get it back, use it, send it back. It's not your primary. It should yeah, never Google, be your primary. Google Docs. I mean, that, that's you know. Do you, do you get to save it on your own machine? I've never even tried it because I'm just too <laughs> too nervous of it. Uh, I'm the yeah. same. I've never for that very reason. So yeah, it, it, yeah. It's a very good question. <laughs> I mean, if you can only save it in the cloud, is it? Would you trust that? How comfortable do you feel? You know, can a lightning yeah. strike erase it? Yeah, oh darn, lightning strike. Yeah, because, lightning strike knocks it out. Suddenly three TV. hours, three hours without your doc, your yeah. your presentation that you needed to deliver to a client. Oh, that's right. And of course, like, things can these, just these go. things happen. <laughs> and don't forget, with some of these tech companies, things can go just go missing. Because remember we talked to Shane Williamson. That was the guy with the second longest introduction on the boys of tech. Because mm-hmm. he had a blog and Microsoft somehow deleted it, but. They never, no one, he never yeah, really got explained. Where it was backed no, up. exactly. <laughs> it's like this system is supposed to be backed up. But. Had he criticized Microsoft? <laughs> he used to work for Microsoft. Actually, didn't he? he did too, and he had contacts, <laughs> and that's how he managed to get his stuff. Uh, suddenly, it came, miraculously came back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> See? Publicity. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Works wonders sometimes. Mm. Now, this last story is just for a bit of fun. Uh, in, only in Japan, only in Japan can you buy. Air-conditioned clothes. It doesn't say how they're powered. Obviously, well, they a run little a, battery. Well, they run off a little battery, but how exactly? Do, yeah, it, it talks about some fans circulating air around the body that are yeah. powered. Well, uh, the picture has a fan which is kind of off-center in the on your back. On the back of a shirt, yeah. Yeah, and it's obviously it built into the fabric. Oh, yeah, it's two, one on each side. Yeah, so it just fills your shirt with air. Yeah, and it just fills your shirt with air. So you've got a cushion of air. <laughs> what so it's air cool. Wow, which is odd because I do the same thing by just untucking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's why we have untucking. Good call. And Good call. I have no chance of, you know, anybody getting anything stuck in my fans. <laughs> so I wonder if there's a site ending with book for untucking. <laughs> And you wouldn't want to be wearing one of those (laughs) when you're walking past one of those places where the smokers congregate in your work. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, yeah. Because you'd be sucking all their smoke (laughs) right up into your shirt and everybody will think that you're a smoker. Yeah, And you'll smell quite bad. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Under your shirt. They do claim, Brett, they do claim that you can be comfortable in 31 degrees. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but untucking your shirt still doesn't make you comfortable at 31 degrees. Well, it does when you start to wave it around. Yeah, you just flap it around a bit. And that way you get some exercise as well. Would you know what I used to do? True. When, when it was that warm, I used to go into our 
our big uh, data center and stand right at, on the updraft. And oh, that's beautiful. You know, 12 yeah, degree air. Yeah. Oh, absolutely well, lovely. Stop talking about cold. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it, cold enough today. It is, exactly. It's, look, it's the end of the show. Let's talk about some a bit of the weather we've been having because for the first time in over, what, 10 years, Brett, Wellington snowed. <laughs> it snowed it here it in Wellington. It into the city, but it got to Kelvin. Oh, did it not make it quite uh, down into the city? No, well, at least not when I was out in it. It, it was, I was in Tawa when it started to snow, and then it started to snow quite heavily as we were driving through a small blizzard along the motorway heading back wow. into Wellington. Snow was starting to cover the road and blanket the sides in their little duvet of white as right. you head down Nauronga Gorge. But as you started to get to the end of Nauronga Gorge, no more snow accumulating anywhere, and the snow that was falling out of the sky was more slush than actual snow. So, Mark, yeah. did it snow in Auckland yesterday? No, it hasn't snowed here yet. In fact, it was getting pretty cold, but it wasn't It wasn't that kind of cold, but it's definitely pushing up here. They reckon it might just touch some of the hills, but, yeah, it's only happened once that I can remember. Because it snowed quite a lot here in, uh, in Wadestown, uh, Wadestown, Wellington, wow. and we built a little snowman. I built a little snowman with my daughters. <laughs> That's and, brilliant. Uh, got some photos of that, so... Oh, I should, good. Yeah, I should send those around. But, uh, you know, it is a very rare event in Wellington. At least, uh, you know, Wainstown isn't really that high. We're up on a hill, but it's not, you know, it's not like, uh, not enough to give you altitude sickness, put it that way. So I wonder if it's affected Skype and Google, because Google has data centers here, and um, Skype was was a bit hard to connect before, wasn't well, it? Well, I think so I Skype is, okay, I'm at time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was that a good simulation? That was a very good simulation. <laughs> you yeah. were sitting there wondering, is he is he just simulating or, or are we having trouble? <laughs> no, no, that was good. But we also have massive solar flares hitting us at the moment. And um, I was reading about it a couple of weeks ago and they were saying the last time that they were this strong was when the telegraph system had just got up and running and it wiped out about a third of all the telegraphs in the world. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so that, they were saying, you know, what's it going to do with, with the amount of power sort of devices and wireless that we use now? But it, apparently it hasn't really affected much. So, yeah. Obviously, it wasn't as big, or perhaps the part of the Earth which was pointing at it when it hit <laughs> yeah. Ripple Pass was not part of the Earth which has a particularly large abundance of electronic devices. Or maybe Telegraph is just much more prone to it than anything is nowadays. Well, it was generally bare wire, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's as prone to interference as you could possibly get. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Believe it or not, we still get issues with water, uh, you know, um, moisture in the cables. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we must be on third world cables here. I don't know. And maybe it's just our uh, area or something. A couple of years, a few years ago, um, Orcon put in these uh, sort of little cabinets in, in the telecom exchanges, you know, to make faster internet. And um, I went along to the to the press launch of it and... The, um, was it Scott Bartley, the guy, the CEO of Orcom, was saying, you know, um, broadband in New Zealand is terrible. We're running at Mexican speeds. And as, as he was talking, I, I looked behind this rack of telecom um, devices and they were all stamped made in Mexico. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, nice one. Oh, excellent. That's too good to be true, isn't it? Yeah, no, it actually was true. I even photographed it. <laughs> Oh, what do you know? <laughs> All right, look, on that note, uh, Mark, thank you very much for joining us on the show. It's fantastic having you on. Oh, you're welcome. It was fun. So what's happening next for you then? What, what are you carrying on doing and uh, what new, have you got any new projects on the horizon? Uh, no, nothing particular. Um, sort of starting to plan next year's creative tech and uh, more writing on Mac Planet 
And oh, did I? The, the Mac Planet blogs sort of keeps me busy. I only have to do a couple of week, but Apple always seems to come up with something to write about, and it doesn't seem hard to get the hits up there and and get really good discussions going, which is the most rewarding part for me. And of course, my own blog, and then training people how to use their Macs, and increasingly iPads. Strangely, it's what I've been doing. So yeah, it's all it's all good fun. Well, I always enjoy your articles on the on the Herald uh, under Mac Planet. So good. do keep writing, and I'll keep reading. Okay, I will. I, I peaked at 126,000 hits in one hour a couple of years ago. 126,000 oh, wow. in, in one hour? In one hour. But um, wow. it, was an, it was April Fool's Day, and I, I put this blog up that um, that Microsoft had bought Apple and gone. I went into all the different iterations of OS X that Microsoft was going to release, you know, the Enterprise <laughs> Edition, the, the Home User and Student Edition. <laughs> I think I read that one, actually. I didn't know it was you that wrote that. Yeah, I wrote that. And um, nice. the trouble is that uh, in America, it wasn't April Fool's Day. It was the day before. So it got picked up by these newspapers and they were saying, this must be true because it's in a oh, national newspaper. Really? Oh. And then apparently um, Microsoft contacted the Herald and said, this is starting to affect our stock price. So you better put a disclaimer on it right away. Oh, um, really? <laughs> yeah. And oh, I've been banned. Uh, they won't accept anything from, from me in that week of April anymore. <laughs> Although they did take it in pretty good. They thought it was pretty funny, but. But surely yeah. people must know. I mean, come on, people must know that in other countries that you know they're either day ahead or day behind. I mean, oh well. Anyway, I do remember reading that story. <laughs> I remember laughing when you the, the, actually because I do remember the, the the bit of the different versions, yeah. and that was absolute. That just cracked me up. I, in fact, that's when I really knew. Well, I knew from the start, but that's when it really showed that okay, this is definitely a complete you know complete joke. <laughs> Fantastic. One guy emailed me and said he was actually in tears before he realised it was April 1st. <laughs> the thing I didn't realise was that it was actually you authoring that. I, I didn't realise that it was your, your piece. I just read it. Yeah, and it yeah, was actually one of the ones that I passed on because I don't pass on a lot of stuff. I'm one of these people that I don't tend to like, you know, the, the emails that go around with the funnies and, you know, and you pass yeah, them on. Yeah. I, I filter those out a lot. Probably less yeah. than one in a hundred would I send on. That was one that I sent on. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, thank you once again, Mark. Uh, it was a real pleasure having you on the show. Oh, thank you. And uh, Brett, thank you once again for doing the show with me. And keep oh, warm, you guys. Keep warm. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll <laughs> yes. try. Look, it's heading, it's heading north. It's heading to Auckland. So, I know. you know, sometime later today, I think it'll probably hit you. Yeah, that's right. And just before we do uh, wrap up, Mark, if people want to get uh, in touch with you, how do they find you? Um, MacNZ, so Mac-NZ.com is my website and uh, MacNZMark is, is me on Twitter. MacNZMark on Twitter, is that right? That's right. Otherwise, Mac Planet on the Herald under the tech se- section of the Herald Online. That's so, uh, very easy to, si- easy to find. Yeah, nzherald.co.nz. That's right. Under Mac Planet. Excellent. Well, thank you once again. And that concludes episode 129 of New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. If you like the show, consider sending us a donation via PayPal. You can do that at our website, boysoftech.com. Until next week, take care, everyone. Keep warm if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.